0: Long ago in ancient Mesopotamia, a civilization laid the foundations for Christianity, but in ways one might not expect. Hosts Denise and Buddy Wood go on a spiritual and thought-provoking journey, uncovering and exploring some of Christianity's hidden truths. Join us as we unveil and explore the mystery that is, the remnants of Ur.
1: Welcome to Remnants of Ur. My name is Denise Wood.
0: And I'm Buddy Wood. And this is episode 8 entitled Hagar. And it's a continuation of chapter 6 from the book Remnants of Ur. Last episode we talked about what it means to hear the voice of God. We also talked about Abram's covenant with God to inherit the land of Canaan. And I believe that Denise also was speaking about her first encounter with God. She literally had a visitation from God that lasted for six months.
1: So today we're talking about Abram, and he's the first example in the Bible of a person walking with God and interacting with God in a spiritual sense. During the many years that I went to church, I heard dozens of sermons on Abraham, and he was always presented as a hero. It wasn't until I started writing this book that I realized just how many remnants of Ur that Abraham brought with him, which is understandable as we discussed in earlier episodes just how much we are truly affected by our culture.
0: And that's very true.
1: Christians who attend church three times a week, they go Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and are hearing these stories from the Bible repeatedly, they're being immersed in a culture of the religious views of their pastors or whoever's speaking at the time which significantly affects beliefs and their actions because most Christians really trust in their pastor that they are hearing directly from God and they're delivering the message to the people right That may or may not be true
0: yeah there're a lot of they're good orators but at the end of the day it's the same gospel message that's been preach since, you know, since Christ passed away. And so they have all missed the boat. You know, Christ spoke about, behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. When when Peter knew that Christ was the Messiah and Christ told him that, hey, that's what this is all about. The only reason you know that, Peter, is because God showed you that. And that's it. Christ was trying to promote the vineyard, the kingdom of heaven, where all mankind is able to hear from God.
1: Right. He was so excited when Peter heard from God. He said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, Peter, but my Father in heaven did. You're hearing from God.
0: Exactly. He's like,
1: and that is the rock that I'm going to build my church upon, right. and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Yeah. Recently, I did a search on the word church. Christ spoke Aramaic, and in Aramaic, the term church is a legal term, meaning to call a witness. So you're witnessing that, yes, there is a God. I'm hearing from God, and here's what he's saying to me. So you're a witness. Then they translated the Bible into Greek. And in the Greek term, it's still a legal term, but it's a calling out. And then when it was translated into English— The term church became a temple, a place where people gather.
0: Yeah, a physical building.
1: Yeah, so when Christ was saying church, he was talking about calling a witness, the people that know how to hear God's voice. Yeah. Those are the people that gather, and that's the church spiritually that Christ is going to—
0: Is building today. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, maybe it was 30 years ago when you and I first got married that God led us out of church. Yes. I remember when I was carrying the cross across the United States and God began to open my eyes. And I got to the place uh, that I wouldn't go to church anymore. The only time I would go to church was when I was invited to speak. And I did that until I got back to Phoenix. After that, uh, you know, I was just waiting for God to release me. And that's when you and when you and I got married, I knew that we were released, we were set free to walk with God.
1: That particular day, the last time we went to church, mm-hmm. we were sitting on the first row yeah. and the pastor was really angry that day. He was stomping his foot and kind of throwing a fit because donations were down. Yeah. And he was reproving the people for not being faithful.
0: Yeah. But the thing of it is I knew that you and I didn't need to hear that. And the children didn't need to grow up listening listening to that either. And that's something I may have mentioned before. I'm going to mention it again. And it was, uh, I believe it was King David. who said, I, I was young and I'm now old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. And I'm telling all you pastors out there, it's very displeasing to God for you all to get up behind that pulpit every week and beg for money. If God's called you to do something, he'll provide the way. Begging for money is not necessary.
1: So as we left the church, we started getting pushback from well-meaning Christians who would quote Paul and would say, don't forsake the assembling together of the brethren. But we stood on the words of Christ who said, where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. Buddy and I represented a very small congregation.
0: Yeah, well we still do.
1: <laughs> and we still do. And you know, our church was having morning coffee and having hours of amazing discussion about the Lord and things that He was mm. doing in our lives. Yeah
0: and God has done a great thing in, with us and um, and now. I got up early this morning to go seek God, you know, uh, like the old days. You know, I thought, I want to get up super early and go outside and gaze at the stars and seek the Lord. I went out there for a little bit and pretty soon I started hearing a little tune in my head. And that's the way God talks to me anymore. So I went back in the house here, picked up my guitar and figured out that little jingle that was playing in my brain. And all the while in God's presence, you know, God, God is here with
1: us. Oh, definitely. So today we're going to continue following Abram's journey in Canaan, and I want to show a good example of the attitude of racial superiority that Abram and Sarai had learned in Ur. In Genesis chapter 16, it is recorded after 10 years of living in Canaan and still having not conceived an heir, Sarai came up with a plan. Since God was restraining her womb from conceiving, she would give Abram, her maid, Hagar, to be his wife and Hagar could bear him an heir. Abram agreed with the plan and took Hagar and it wasn't long before she conceived. After that, Sarai realized that she had made a grave mistake because Hagar now despised her. Now let's think this through. We have Sarai, who is said to have been an exceedingly beautiful woman. And it is apparent by the actions of Abram that he simply idolized her. She and Abram were Sumerians. And as I mentioned in an earlier episode, they had been taught in their culture that they were a superior race. Hagar was an Egyptian and would never have been treated as an equal to Sarai. Even though she was married to Abram, and pregnant with the coveted heir. Of course, Hagar would feel resentful of Sarai. She was still being treated as a maid, and there Hagar is having to work hard to make life more comfortable for Sarai when she is suffering. Yes, I would expect Hagar to be very resentful. It is written that Sarai approached Abram about the insubordination of Hagar, And his response was, she's your maid, do with her as you please. It is recorded in the Bible that Sarai dealt so harshly with Hagar that she had to flee from her abuser. So it is apparent from this passage that Abram turned a blind eye to Sarai abusing Hagar. So she fled to a fountain of water in the desert and resided there until the angel of the Lord found her and asked from where she was coming and to where she would go. After telling her story, the angel told her to return home and be submissive to Sarai. He then gave her a prophecy that she was pregnant with a son, which was to be named Ishmael, and her seed would be multiplied so much that it could not be numbered. He also prophesied that Ishmael would be a wild man, whose hand would be against every man, and every man's hand would be against him, and lastly, that Ishmael would dwell in the presence of his brethren. I find it interesting that Ishmael's descendants became the Muslims.
0: Yeah.
1: And what's going on in the Middle East is basically
0: it all it all derives this, from this. This very prophecy is, yeah. we can see
1: it happening. Hagar called the name of the Lord, the God who sees me, and returned home. And submitted to Sarai. It shows a great deal of humility in the actions of Hagar. I'm sure it was not easy to say, I'm sorry, when she knew that she had done nothing wrong. Several months later, Hagar gave birth to a son who was named Ishmael, and Abram loved the boy. The Bible says that Abram was 86 when Ishmael was born, and he finally had his coveted heir, or so he thought. In the 17th chapter of Genesis, it is written that 10 years later, at the age of 99, the Lord appeared to Abram and told him that he and Sarai, who was 89, was going to become pregnant with a covenant heir to be named Isaac. During that visitation, God changed Abram's name to Abraham and Sarai's name to Sarah. He instructed Abraham that the new sign of the covenant between him and God was to circumcise every male in the household. So now, instead of cutting animals, Abram was cutting himself, as he made a new covenant with God. Pretty interesting, isn't it?
0: It is. The, the word covenant is used over and over and over in the Bible, and it's like, I, you know, I don't know really what to think about all that.
1: Yeah. So when Abram petitioned God about Ishmael, God let him know, that he had blessed Ishmael. God said that he would make Ishmael fruitful, multiply him exceedingly, and make him a great nation. However, his covenant would be with Isaac. Now, this is where we began to see the split in a covenant child versus a non-covenant child. I was always taught in church that Ishmael was the child of the flesh, and Isaac was the child of the Spirit. Ishmael was somewhat vilified during the sermons, and Isaac was lifted up. Interesting how Ishmael's descendants formed the Muslim faith, and Isaac's descendants became the Jewish faith. The teachings I heard from the pulpit did negatively affect my attitude toward the Muslim community. However, when I started to seek for myself, I gave up that prejudice because it is very clear in Genesis that God has blessed Ishmael. It is just another example of how religious teachings can create prejudice and hatred of other cultures and other people. Do you have anything else you want to say?
0: No, I don't. I don't think we ought to be prejudiced against anybody. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us. If you're interested, our book, Remnants of Ur, is available on Amazon. If you have any questions or comments, our email is remnantsover at gmail.com.